Thank you for joining us today for this life-changing message from River of Life. If you are ever in our area, we would love for you to join us. For more information, visit us at rolcrawfordville.com. That's rolcrawfordville.com. Or download our app in the App Store under ROL Crawfordville. Now, let's join Derek Gray as he teaches from the Word of God. All right, hey, welcome everyone to our uh, Wednesday night Bible study here at River of Life. We are, uh, if you're visiting, we are going through the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and tonight we come to the third and final uh, section of that sermon, which of course is, is chapter 7. Um, and um, you can see our title is, Do Not Judge. And that is a question. Do not judge. Let's go ahead and read our verses. Now tonight, we're just going to be looking at verse, verses 1 and 2. That's what we're going to focus on. But I'm going to go ahead and read verses 1 through 6 because we're going to refer to those as we move through. These are the words of Jesus, of course, and he says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment that you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure that you use, or the standard that you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? But you don't notice the log that is in your eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Now, just very quickly, I want to set the stage for this chapter. Uh, We started this study September of last year, so we're uh, almost a year uh, into this. And we started, of course, in in section one, which is chapter one, and we learned three things in there. We learned, first of all, about a Christian's character. That, of course, is the Beatitudes. And then we learned that, that what it takes to get into heaven is not an outer righteousness, but an inner righteousness. Jesus said multiple times, if you'll remember, you've heard it say, uh, you've heard it said, for example, you shall not commit adultery. But Jesus said, I say to you that if a man even looks at a woman with lust in his heart, he's already committed adultery. And what he was telling us is that as Christians, what he wants from us is is a person that's holy and pure and clean on the inside, just as much as they are on the outside. And then, of course, in that same section, he told us our purpose in this world, which is to be salt and to be light. Now, we turn to section two, and in section two, we found out that as we begin to walk this out in the world, we do so in fellowship with a heavenly Father. We are to do everything. everything we are to live and act as if we are doing it for an audience of one. And there's going to be dangers out there that try to drag us down, that try to, uh, try to mess up that relationship with the Father. Dangers like hypocrisy and worldliness, as we saw last week. Now we turn to chapter 7. And you may say, okay, well, is there a certain theme to chapter 7? And I think there is. And I think the theme of chapter 7 is judgment. And that is, what it's telling us is that you and I as Christians, we should walk through this world living as if we understand that there's one day going to be a final accounting. 
And by the way, I don't just mean, when I say this theme is judgment, I don't mean that we just go through life thinking, man, one day I'm going to be judged. No, our whole life is a process of judgment. It's called sanctification. The Holy Spirit is pointing things out to us. I'm going to point some things out to you tonight. And the Holy Spirit hopefully is going to drive those things home. And, and we judge ourselves so that we don't, we're not judged at the final judgment. Now, we'll talk more about this theme as we go through this chapter over the next few weeks. But tonight, we're going to begin with what I think is probably the most abused verse in all of Scripture. And that's saying something, by the way, because there is certainly some abused verses out there. But I think this one is the most abused. And that, of course, is Matthew 7, 1. Judge not that you be not judged. Now, I would probably say this is the most quoted verse in the Bible. And you may think, well, no, that's probably John 3.16, but I don't think it is. I think it's this one. And the reason I think it's this one is because not only does every Christian know this verse, every atheist knows this verse, and every unbeliever knows this verse. Now, listen, they may not know another verse in the whole Bible, but I can guarantee you they know this one. It reminds me a few years ago, I say a few years ago, uh, I had this written down in my notes. Back in the 90s, when President Clinton had gotten caught in adultery, there was a famous actor, and I don't remember who it was, I didn't write it down, but they had an interview with him in People magazine, and they asked him about that. And this is what he said. He said, why should we be upset over such a thing? We're all sinners, and it just shows that President Clinton is just like the rest of us. The Bible says, judge not that you be not judged. You see, they, they recite this verse as if it means that we should never judge anybody at any time, at any place. They think that this Bible means that Jesus, when he says, judge not that you be not judged, that he's basically telling us that we have to accept any sin, any lifestyle, and any doctrine. That's what they think it means. And so they're happy to quote it, to excuse themselves or to excuse others from sinful acts or sinful behaviors. Now, listen, I want to put this as nice as I can. That is absolute baloney. That's as polite as I can say it. And we all know deep down there's no way it can mean that. Listen, if, if, if somebody comes to my house and breaks in and steals something of mine, Okay, I don't go, hey, who am I to judge? You be you, be you man. <laughs> really? If somebody's caught in, in the act, they murder somebody, are we, just, are we really going to just say, man, you know, who am I to judge? You just do, you know, I, I mean, that's your thing. It ain't mine. But if that's your thing, you go ahead. No. Is that ridiculous? If we catch our child in a lie. We don't say, yeah, well, you know, little kid, you know, just be you, man. No, no, we, we, we admonish them, we discipline them, we teach them that lying is wrong. We all inherently know that there's certain activities, lying, stealing, cheating, uh, murder. They, we just know there's wrong, they're wrong and they're supposed to be judged. And by the way, it would not cross our mind, and it shouldn't cross our mind, to say that we should not judge those things or that judging those things are wrong. In fact, just think about it. If you take those seven words, judge not that you be not judged, and you just pull them out and you say, okay, that means that you can never judge. 
That means you're prohibiting all judging. Do you understand what that would mean? That would mean, first of all, we'd have to stop preaching against sin. We'd have to uh, stop disciplining our children. And we'd have to stop enforcing our laws. That's just to name a few. Now, do you want to live in a society like that? It would be chaos. It would be anarchy. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous even to think that that's what that verse means. So it certainly doesn't mean that we can never judge anyone at any time for anything. It certainly doesn't mean that we've got to condone any sin and any lifestyle and any doctrine. That's not what it means. Now, we'll get to what it means in a bit, but let me ask this question. Why do so many people then get it wrong? Why do so many people read that verse and say, well, you know, Jesus said I'm not to, to judge. I guess I can't judge that person. Why do so many people get it wrong? Well, they get it wrong because they take it out of context. They take it out of context. You see, you have to have context. If I, if I came to you tonight and I said, uh, I just made one statement. I said, I saw Pastor Henry running. Okay. Well, that may be a true statement, but what does it really mean? Was he running from somebody? Was he running after somebody? Was he running for extra? I mean, was he, was he just extra? I mean, are you with me? Just making that statement doesn't give us what it really means because we have no context. It's the same thing when you interpret Scripture. You cannot pull a verse out and, and just put it by itself. You have to look at it in context. You have to look at the verses that go around it. You have to look at the chapter. You have to look at the, the book. You have to think about who was the author and the time and the culture. And, and, and by the way, you have to compare it to everything else in the Bible because the Bible doesn't contradict itself. You have to look at it in context. See, if you take a verse out of context, folks, you can about make it mean anything you want it to mean. It reminds me of the preacher who preached against women Wearing their hair on top of their head. He just preached and preached. Women, you cannot wear your hair on top of your head. You've got to wear it down. And somebody asked him, well, how do, you, how do you justify that from the Bible? He said, well, it's Matthew 24, 17. Where it says, top knot, come down. <laughs> and, and by the way, it does say that. It says, let the one who is on the housetop not come down. To take what is in his house. You see, I can take words out of a verse and I can come up with anything in the world that I want to come up with. It reminds me of the guy who, anytime he needed uh, uh, revelation or he needed word, a word from God, he would just open his Bible and he would just put his finger down. All right, I'm giving myself a few seconds here to wonder whether I should say what I'm about to say. I've decided I'm going to stop and just think for a moment. But I'm going to say it anyway. (laughs) Please don't do that. Please don't do that. There is nothing in the Bible anywhere that says that's how we're to get guidance from God. Nothing. The Bible clearly tells us how we are. Come boldly before the throne of grace to seek help in time of trouble. Bring everything to the Lord with a prayer and supplication. Make your request be made known to God. Listen, I don't need a crystal ball. I've got a heavenly father. Don't do that. But this guy did it. This was his way of getting a word. 
So he puts his finger down, and he comes on Matthew 27, 5. And it says, throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed, and he went and hanged himself. An old guy looks at that and thinks, man, I don't, I don't really understand how that applies to my situation. Let me try it again. So he flips over a few pages, puts his finger down on Luke 10, 37. Jesus said, you go and do likewise. <laughs> so you just, are you, are you kind of getting the picture here? But let me give you something real. How many of you ever been to a prayer meeting and heard somebody quote Matthew 18, 20? Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Anybody ever done that? I've done it myself. Does that mean, by the way, that if I'm praying by myself, Jesus is not there? You ever thought about that? Does that mean that somehow when there's two or three of us that Jesus is there more than he is if I'm by myself? No, because that has nothing to do with prayer. Go read Matthew 18. It's about church discipline. Jesus said if your brother has something against you, you go to him one-on-one. And if he won't hear what you have to say, you go back and you come with two or three witnesses. And what he's saying is there, when there's two or three gathered in my name, you have my authority behind you. I'm there with you. He's talking about church discipline. He's not talking about prayer. Now, by the way, I don't think that's untrue. Where two or three are gathered in my name, Jesus is there. That's certainly true. But we don't need that verse to validate that and take it out of context. Now, I say all that to say this. You cannot isolate, judge not that you be not judged, and try to interpret it all by itself. You just can't do that. You'll never figure out what it means. So, let's look at it in context. First of all, there are many, 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 many verses in the Bible that tell us that we have to judge. Okay? I'm going to give you a few. The first one is 1 Corinthians 11.31. Paul says, if we judged ourselves, we would not be judged. Listen, tonight, I'm going to go ahead and tell you now, when we end, we're going to do an altar call. And I'm going to ask you to judge yourself. I'm going to ask you to look in your heart and, and determine, are there some things there that shouldn't be? This is, this is what he wants us, that's what Paul's talking about. Judge yourself. If you'll go ahead and get yourself cleaned up and get those things taken care of, God won't have to deal with it. You do it. So first of all, we're to judge ourselves. 1 Corinthians 5.12, listen to what Paul says. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you, what, are to judge? See, here he's talking about church discipline. If you've got somebody in your body that's in blatant sin, Paul says you need to deal with it. You need to make a judgment. You need to confront that person. I mean, he's telling us as clear as day that this is a case where we are to judge. 1 Corinthians 2.15, the spiritual person judges all things, but is himself judged by no one. The man that is mature, a woman that's mature and walking in the Spirit, judges all things. They judge themselves. They judge others. They, they, they judge doctrines. They judge prophecies. They, they judge everything that's going on. Now, there's plenty of scriptures where it doesn't use the word, but Jesus commands us to do something, and if we're going to do that thing, we have to judge. For example, Matthew seven fifteen and 16, which we'll get to here in just a few weeks. Jesus said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruits. Listen, how do you make, how do you determine if somebody is a false prophet or a true prophet? 
You have to look at their life. You have to look at their preaching. You have to look at their doctrine. And you have to make a what? A judgment. I mean, for us to follow that and figure this out, we have to make judgments. Or let's just put it to rest with the words of Jesus himself in John seven twenty four: Do not judge according to appearances, but judge with righteous judgment. I mean, he's telling us right there to judge. He said, don't do it the wrong way, do it the right way. So it's clear that just looking outside of tonight's passage, Matthew 7, 1 through 6, that the Bible teaches us and Jesus himself teaches us that we are to make judgments. Now, but let's set those aside for a moment. Let's just set those aside and let's just come to this passage that we read at the beginning here. And, what, and if we just read this passage, Matthew, Matthew 7, 1 through 6, you'll see that Jesus is not forbidding judgment. For example, at verse 1, he says, do not judge. Then he goes on to say, take the log out of your own eye. Remove the speck from your brother's eye. Don't give dogs what is holy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. Folks, I don't know about you, but how am I supposed to tell a dog from not a dog if I don't make a judgment? How can I tell of someone that who's a pig and someone who's not a pig? Or what's holy and what's not holy? Or what is a speck in my brother's eye? How can I, make, how can I determine those things if I can't make judgments? So he's clearly not forbidding all judgments. Not only that, look at verse 5, and we'll get to this next week. He said, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye. And then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Notice he's not forbidding us to take the speck out of our brother's eye. And that speck is sin, by the way. He's not forbidding that. He's saying just get, get rid of your own issues first. Deal with your own self first. Get yourself right so that you can see clearly to make judgments about others. So, I, I wanted to spend some time on this, because like I said, this is a, you'll hear this all the time out there in the world, quoted all the time. Don't judge. Jesus is absolutely not telling us that we have to condone or excuse sin. He is not telling us that you and I have to accept anybody's doctrine or anybody's lifestyle or, or, or any kind of sin. He is not saying that we are never to judge anyone at any time and any place. In fact, this is the irony of this passage. Despite what they all say it means, the irony of this whole passage, 7, 1 through 6, is instead of telling us not to judge, Jesus is actually teaching us to judge. He, he's actually teaching us to make right judgments about ourselves and others. But here's the thing. What Jesus is doing is he's teaching us to do it the right way so that it helps people and not hurts them. This is what this passage is all about. Judging the right way so that you can help people. In fact, what Jesus is teaching us, and this will be the topic of my lesson next week, is spiritual surgery. What he's teaching us is how to perform spiritual eye surgery, if you will. How to minister to someone that is caught in the throes of sin. They have some bondage. They have some stronghold in their life. He wants us to help. He wants us to minister to that person. But we got to do it the right way. Because if you don't, you'll hurt them. You'll mess them up. 
So this, that's the irony of this. The whole passage is actually about judging, but judging the right way. I, I, this helped me when I think of it this way. What Jesus wants us to do is make a diagnosis, not a judgment. And I want to make sure you understand the difference. Can you imagine a doctor comes into a room and he never talks to you, never gets to know you, never asks any real questions? He just looks at a few notes on a chart and he says, well, I'm going to go ahead and, and make a judgment. I'm going to say you got this disease. Hey, good luck. And he turns around and walks off. Folks, that's judgment. That's judgment. Judgment just looks at somebody and says something about and makes an, uh, some type of judgment about them, and it walks away and never tries to help them. See, a diagnosis is different. He comes in, he talks to you, he gets your symptoms, he finds all out all about you, he runs a test, he comes back and says, this is the diagnosis, and this is what we're going we're to do to make you better. This is how we're going to fight this thing. This is how we're going to overcome this thing. What Jesus wants us doing in this body is making diagnoses like that. Not just judgments that puts condemnation and things like that on people and doesn't even try to help them. That is not what this passage is about. Now, let me tell you, that takes a whole lot of wisdom and it takes a whole lot of character. If you're going to help people caught in sin, if you're going to get in there, it takes a lot of wisdom. It, you know, you don't, pull a doc, you don't pull somebody off the street and say, hey, I need you to go operate on this guy. Let me tell you, they're going to mess him up bad, right? There's training. There's experience. There's things that it takes to go in to be able to do those kind of operations. That is no different for us. Listen to Paul, what Paul says in Galatians 6.1. If anyone is caught in any transgression or sin, you who are spiritual... Restore him in a spirit of... What does that mean? You who are humble. You who are walking in the spirit. You who are, who are, are mature. You who are wise. You who are, uh, have the character that you need to have. You who are spiritual. Minister to that person. Again, that's what this passage is all about. Okay. We know what it, don't, it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that we are never, ever, ever to judge any sin or lifestyle. Or, it doesn't mean that. So what does it mean? I'm going to give you four things tonight. Number one, when Jesus says, do not judge, the first thing he means is don't judge like a Pharisee. Don't judge like a Pharisee. Do you remember back uh, when we first started, back in Matthew 5.20, Jesus made this statement here, which kind of really set the tone for the rest of his sermon. And that is, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you're not going to heaven. You, you got, unless your righteousness is better than them, exceeds what they have. Now, you remember what we learned about them. They lessened the demands of the law, right? Things like lust and divorce. And their, their spiritual disciplines, the religious acts that they did, such as giving and fasting and praying, they didn't do it to serve God. They did it so people would look at them and see them and pat them on the back and tell them how great they were. They were self-serving. And for those reasons, Jesus calls them hypocrites. Matthew 6, 2, 6, 5, and 6, 16. Now, notice here in Matthew 7, 5, he uses that word again. You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. You know why he calls them a hypocrite? Because they think they're better than they really are. They, they think that they're qualified 
to do spiritual surgery. And they got this huge beam, this, these huge sins in their life. And they can't see it. They think they're perfectly okay. And he calls them a hypocrite. So what it's clear here is that Jesus is commanding you and I when he says, don't judge. One of the things on his mind here is don't be a hypocrite. Don't judge like the Pharisees judge. Now, how do the Pharisees judge? Well, let's go back to Luke 18. We've used this parable uh, several times. This is a parable Jesus told. And notice what it says. He said, he told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. You want to know how they judged? They looked at other people as if other people were beneath them. They looked at other people as though, as though other people were less than them. That's how they judged. Remember, they go out and they, the Pharisee stands there and he says, God, I thank you that I'm not like them. He can see everything. That one's a tax collector. That one's a liar. That one's an adulterer. That one's unjust. But look at me. Boy, I'm better than all of them. Jesus said, do not judge like that. You see, these men, remember, when they give, when they pray, when they fast, what's the point? They want everybody to think how great they are. See, the whole point of all this is to exalt themselves. And one of the ways they exalt themselves is by pushing other people down. You ever met anybody like that? That's one of the ways they feel better about themselves is they just keep condemning. They keep criticizing. Now, listen, I wish, I wish that I could look back and say, well, that was just back then, but it's not. Unfortunately, sadly, shamefully, that same type of judging and that same kind of condemnation is still in the churches today. It's still amongst the body today. You see it sometimes, for example, when people start to grow in their knowledge of Scripture and they begin to learn more about Scripture and they'll run into somebody that, that sees it a different way and they'll condemn that person. Like, what's wrong with them? Why don't they see it the way I see it? Or here's one, you see it when people start to gain a measure of self-discipline. We've all been unbelievers at one time. We've all struggled with certain sins at one time. And, and, and as you grow and mature, you get to a point where you begin to get some self-discipline. You begin to overcome some sins. And I don't understand this. I don't understand why we do it. But we will overcome a sin and then turn right around and despise people who struggle with the same sin that we overcame. Yes or no? I do not understand why we would do that. But it's, it happens all the time. Folks, listen, we forget that we were once immature. We, we forget that we sometimes miss church for probably reasons we had no business missing church for. We, we forget that there were times that we didn't read our Bible. We didn't pray. There were times that, that we struggled with sin, and we seem to somehow forget that. And listen to me, when we forget our own propensity to weakness, when, when we forget that it was Jesus Christ who lifted us out of that pit, when you forget those things, you'll become a little Pharisee. Start thinking you're better than them. Look what I did. Look who I am. This is what Jesus is saying. Don't do that. Don't judge like that. 
Don't think you're better than anybody else around you. You are who you are because he made you who you are. That's it. Don't judge people like that. Don't judge people with a spirit that's critical, a spirit that's condemning, that's petty, that's disparaging, that's fault-finding. This is what Jesus is saying. When he says don't judge, this is the kind of thing he's talking about. Don't judge like that. Do not do that. Because that type of judgment is harsh, it's critical, and it lacks love and it lacks mercy. And I remind you what he said in verse 2, which should probably slap every single one of us upside the face. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure or the standard that you use to measure somebody else, it'll be measured back to you. Now listen, that right there, if we really took that seriously and we really believed it, we'd run out of here showing mercy and love and forgiving left and right, wouldn't we? For some reason, we tend to forget that. Listen, if we're critical, if we're unloving, if we're unmerciful in how we judge others, God says, I'm going to use that same standard for you. By the way, it doesn't make him critical. It doesn't make him unloving. It doesn't make him unmerciful. But you understand, we, we made the standard. We created our own standard, that, and we're basically saying, this is what I want to be judged by. And he said, okay, that's how you want to do it. On the other hand, here's the good news. <laughs> if we're merciful and we're loving, God says, I'll use that same measure, or I'll use that same standard for you. Hallelujah. Listen, look at, the, look at Luke six thirty six to 37. I don't know how it could be any clearer than this. Watch what he says to do, and watch what he says to not do. Be merciful, even as your Father's merciful. Don't judge, and you won't be judged. Don't condemn, and you won't be condemned. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. So when Jesus says, don't judge, he's saying, don't condemn. Don't condemn people. Don't be petty and self-serving and disparaging and just heap all that junk on them. That just, that don't help nobody. Instead, be loving, be merciful, be forgiving. That's the first thing he means when he says don't judge. The second thing he means is do not judge somebody else's heart. Listen, we all make this mistake, and I want you to listen to me very closely. In 1 Corinthians 4, 4, Paul says this, For I am not aware of anything against myself. Now, let's stop right there. Paul says, I have looked, I've judged myself. I've looked at myself. And I've seen, is there anything wrong with my life? I've got everything under the blood. I've, I've asked forgiveness. I'm, 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 I'm disciplining my body. Right now, he says, I'm not aware of anything against myself. I, I can't find anything in my life that hasn't been dealt with. But watch what he says. But I am not thereby acquitted. He says, I look at myself, and even though I can't find anything, that doesn't mean... I'm not guilty of something. Why? Because he understands my human judgment is limited. There's only so far my human judgment can go. I look at my heart, I look at my motives, and I think they're okay, but I'm not really sure. <laughs> Any of y'all ever been there? Look at your motives and try to figure out why am I doing what I'm doing, and sometimes you're not really sure. Because our human judgment is limited. So he goes on to say, it's the Lord who's going to judge me. Verse 5, therefore do not pronounce judgment before the time, 
before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things that now are hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. See, when we walk through this life with a judgmental spirit, we will often look at someone, maybe something they said, something they do, and instead of just stopping there, we go beyond that and we assign intentions to them beyond the bounds of our judgment. In other words, we judge their heart. We judge the person. We say things like this. Somebody gets up and gives a testimony and somebody says, well, he just shared that because he wants people to think he's spiritual. Really? You, you could see that in his heart? Really? Wow. You must be God. Because he's the only one I know that knows a man's heart. See, we, you're going beyond. If that person gets up there and says something wrong, then, then it's wrong. I get that. They say something against Scripture, then they need to be corrected. But you don't know their heart. You don't know their motive. It could have just been a mistake. You say things like, she did that just because she's prideful and jealous. You see what you're doing? You're judging a person's heart. you got no idea what the motives of their heart is. None. And yet we go beyond what we can do. Folks, listen, this is especially bad. Especially bad. Because we're not pronouncing judgment on what they say. We're not pronouncing judgment on what they do. We're not even pronouncing judgment on, on what they believe. We're, we're pronouncing judgment on them as a person. They said that, therefore they're a bad person. They did that, therefore they're... An, they're are you with me? That's not our job. We are not God. We do not have the ability to figure out and judge a person's heart or a person's motives. That's only something that he can do. We don't need to be doing that. I remind you again. For with the judgment you pronounce, you'll be judged. And with the standard you use, it'll be measured back to you. The third reason that Jesus tells us not to judge, or the third thing that he means is he wants us not to judge with a wrong attitude. Not to judge with a wrong attitude. You know, we'll see next week that there is going to come times where we have to point out someone's failures. We have to point out sin in someone's life. The question is, why are we doing it? Are we doing it because we love them? Is it because we want to help them overcome something? Is it because we want to help them become the person that God wants them to be? Or are we doing it out of pride? Are we doing it out of jealousy? Are we doing it out of anger? Here's one way you know. How do you feel when you do it? How do you feel when you point out somebody else's sin? Does it make you feel good? Or does it break your heart? Well, that's a test right there, isn't it? That is a test right there. Does it make you feel good when someone fails? Does it make you feel good to get with somebody and whisper, did you see what they did? Or does it break your heart? 1 Corinthians 13, 6, Paul, that's the love chapter, says this, love does not rejoice at wrongdoing. If you love your brother, love your sister, you will never, ever feel good about seeing them fail, about seeing them struggle, never. 
it will break your heart. 1 Peter 4, 8, above all, talking to the church, the body, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. I was thinking this week, um, you know, in my family, um, you know, my, my sons and my, my uh, daughter-in-laws and my grandchildren, you know, we're not perfect. You know, I'm not, I, I'm not blind. I can look at my boys and I know they got faults. I, I get it. I can even look at my grandchildren already and I can start to see, okay, well, they, you know, they're, they're not perfect. And, I, you know, Kathy's not perfect and I'm not perfect. We're not perfect. But, boy, do we love each other. And because we love each other, we just, it just covers over those things. We move on. We show grace. We show mercy. We forgive one another. We don't hold it out there, and, and, and we don't do any of that. Why? Because we love each other. Shouldn't it be the same way in this house? Are we not the body of Christ? Are we not the family of God? Shouldn't we be loving each other the same way? See, somebody might listen. If one of my sons fails, I'm, I mean, I'm that quick to forgive them. I'm that quick. We should be that quick to forgive and excuse and love one another. The fourth and final thing that he means, and boy, man, are we guilty of this one. Don't judge without all the information. Don't judge without all the information. Proverbs 18, 13, one who gives an answer before he hears, it is foolishness and shame to him. Listen, we all have a tendency to make this shameful mistake, and it is shameful. I know I do. Several weeks ago, I saw something. I saw somebody do something, and uh, I made a judgment about them. Just made a judgment. Now, I didn't go tell nobody. I didn't go gossip and say, hey, did you see? But, but that don't change the fact that in my heart, I made a judgment about that person just because I saw him do one thing. And then, lo and behold, a few weeks later, I met this person and began to talk to this person. And they began to tell me their life story and where they had come from and what they had done and, and what had been done to them. And I walked out of that conversation with a completely different attitude. You see, I made a judgment without all the information. Don't do that, Jesus said. Don't, don't do that. This is what he means in John 7, 24. Do not judge according to appearance. That's not how you judge. You don't just go by what you see. There's always a backstory. There's always more information. And most times when we learn that information, it'll change the way that we view that person. Judge with righteous judgment. Now listen, as we're going to see next week, this, this passage is not telling us not to judge. There are times when we have to judge. But what Jesus does not want us to be is a judgmental person. Do you understand the difference? Remember what he said about giving, praying, and fasting? When you give, give in secret. When you pray, pray in secret. When you fast, fast in secret. That doesn't mean that we never give publicly. That doesn't mean we never pray publicly. It doesn't mean we, that we never fast publicly. That's not what he means at all. What he's saying is don't be the kind of person who does things so you can be seen. Be the kind of person who does it for me. He's saying the same thing here. He's not saying never judge. 
He's saying there's going to be times to judge, but don't go through life being a judgmental person. That's what he means by that. Now, I'm gonna, I want to segue into next week because next week we're going to talk about doing spiritual surgery. We're going to talk about how we become people that can minister to other people. But I want to ask, I want to kind of segue into that by asking this question. Why are so many of us ineffective at ministering to others? Why are so many of us ineffective at ministering to others? I think there's two reasons. And Jesus addressed this. That's what the first reason Jesus is addressing in tonight's passage. There's always going to be people like the Pharisees who just do it wrong. You just do it wrong. We judge people's motivations. We judge with wrong intentions. We judge without uh, uh, not having all the information. And as I said earlier, folks, listen, that's never going to work. That's never going to work. If you're not skilled, if you're not qualified, if you're not ready, you're going to do more harm than good. Listen, only God knows people's hearts. Only God, who's omniscient, knows all things. And it's only God whose intentions are always good. We're not God, and we shouldn't play God. And when we try, we are absolutely horrible at it. And we mess things up, and we hurt people. What we're going to find out next week is how we do it right, how we don't go beyond what Christ has called us to do. Now, by the way, that was the problem in Jesus' day. It was a religious society. And religious people have this way of looking down at other people, thinking not only are they better than other people, but we tend to think we're better than we really are. That's what the Pharisees thought. But let me be honest with you. That's not really our problem in 2023. That's not really our problem. Our problem is too many of us have gone the other way and just stopped trying. Too many of us have gone the other way and we've just quit trying. We live in a society that's almost like live and let live. And I might know you're doing wrong, and I might, but I just say, you know what? I'm not going to get involved. It's not my place to judge. I'm just going to stay out of that, and, and, and I'm just going to keep my hands clean. I'm not going to get involved in that situation. Here's my question. How are you different from an unbeliever? How are you different from the man that says, judge not, that you be not judged? You're making no difference at all. You're not in the body of Christ. You're not ministering and helping and exhorting and encouraging and helping one another make it. You're not doing anything. You're just standing on the sidelines. You're not doing anything different than an unbeliever or an atheist if you're not getting involved. Listen, we'll see next week. Jesus wants us to get our hands dirty. Jesus wants us to get in the mix. He wants us to be spiritual people who are qualified to do spiritual surgery. My question to you is, (coughs) are we going to answer the call? Are we going to answer the call at River of Life? Listen, I know there's people every day praying in this this church that people are going to start pouring in here. You know, we've gone from 400 to 500 to 600. What do we do when we get to 800? What do we do when we get to a thousand? People coming in that's never been raised in church, don't know anything about church, have never prayed, have never read the Bible. Who's going to be there for them? Who's going to help them? It's got to be us. It can't just be 
pastor. It can't just be the staff. That's not, the, that's not what it says. Ephesians 4, I believe, says he gave pastors and prophets and teachers and shepherds. What's the other one? Evangelists. To, to basically for the equipping of the saints for ministry. The equipping of the saints for ministry. That's what we're trying to do tonight, and that's what we're trying to do next week. Equip the saints for ministry. Are we going to answer the call? Listen, I'm going to ask you to do something. We're going to be here about three minutes. I'm going to ask you, if you will, to just come to this altar and just affirm in your heart that, God, I want to be a spiritual surgeon. I don't want to be judgmental. Come on. I don't want to be judgmental. I don't want to go through life with a judgmental spirit condemning people. God, help me to be different. Help me to be a spiritual surgeon. Let's pray. Father, and you you pray for yourself. Father, I pray, God. I ask you, Lord. God, will you just validate your word here tonight? Well, Holy Spirit, will you somehow take these pitiful words that I speak and, and just set them aside? But God, take your holy word. And don't let it be picked off by Satan like the seed that falls on the, on the path. Don't let, it, don't let it grow for a bit and just fall like the one among the rock and the one among uh, the, the thorns. But God, I pray, I ask you, Jesus, that the word that's gone forth here tonight will fall among good soil. It'll bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100. God, you do that. I'm asking you to do that. Oh, Lord, if we would become a people that would minister to one another and love one another and be merciful one another and not condemning but but helping, God, what would it do for this body? What would it do for this body? And, Father, I can't make it happen. The pastor can't make it happen. The staff can't make it. But, God, you can. You can change our heart. If there's any of us here, myself, tonight, God, and we've, we've judged like Pharisees, We've looked at people and think I'm better than them. If we've judged others' hearts, if we've judged without all the information, if we've judged with a bad attitude, God, forgive us. Forgive us, Lord. We repent. We don't want to be that. That is not who we want to be. God, change us. Mold us. God, 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 redo us. Whatever you have to do in our life to make us into the type of people that you want us to be. God, we we ask you to do those things. Lord, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing at River of Life. We thank you for the amount of people that we have here on a Wednesday night. We thank you for the amount of people that we have on a Sunday. I thank you for the amount of people we're going to have a year from now. But God, we need to be ready. We need to be ministers. We need to be spiritual surgeons. God, help us. Help us, Lord, become what your word wants us to be. We ask it all and we give you all the praise.
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. You are dismissed. Thank you again for listening to this message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or if you need someone to pray with, please contact us at 850-926-1200 or email us at info at rolcrawfordville.com. We also want to encourage you to visit us this Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. Please visit us online at rolcrawfordville.com for more information and directions.